Next up, LaShawn Williams, Senior Product Marketing Manager at Figma. Figma is taking a stand for making design accessible to all, and being browser-based has made that possible. LaShawn, tell me about Figma. Sure. So Figma is design collaboration software primarily used by product designers and product managers and developers able to come in and work with them. So it's a collaboration tool that I think brings that sort of product development trifecta together in the design process and also functions as that design tool for product designers. And what is the competitive landscape like? Who are you up against? Sure. So our primary competitors are Sketch and Adobe XD. Figma has achieved quite a bit of success. What is behind that, in your opinion? And what is the innovation that Figma brought to the table that allowed it to come out and grow fast? Yeah, I think what's truly behind it are authenticity and community. And I think that the community side was really able to be built because Figma took a different approach than their competitors and building themselves out on the web. And so being web-based has really opened up design to people who normally wouldn't have access, people who may not work on a MacBook, people who are on Windows and on different devices that made it more difficult for them to access certain products. And so I think being on the web really made design accessible to all. It brought in that global audience that Figma has and really helped them build out that community. And so a product that was built to be for designers very design-centric, very focused on the customer. Building it in the web made all of that just much more accessible across the board. And is making design accessible for all kind of like the central movement, central idea of your story? Yeah, I'd say that's the core tenet, I think, for Figma. Everything is done to make designers happy, to make their lives easier, and to really make that part of product development accessible to everyone. So it starts with the design, right? So you have an idea, but before you can build anything, you have to draw that. You have to put it to paper. You have to design. So design is really like that first piece where all of these teams come together and collaborate before they can move forward. And so I think by making that, when we say it, accessible to all. It's not just to all of the product designers and anyone who wants to draw, right? It's the brand designer who needs to come in and work with the product designer so that you can feel the brand inside of the product. It's the product manager who's working with the product design team. It's the engineers who need to come in and work with the product design team. And for all of those things, it's better for that to happen earlier and more often to be able to ship better products. And so Figma, making design accessible to all, means that it opens that up to everyone and this much larger idea of what design is. Well, you say that you focused on making the designers happy. Would you then say that the competition didn't? They wanted to make the designers unhappy? Or how is your approach different here? I wouldn't say the competition has set out to make designers unhappy. I think everyone wants to build a product that designers enjoy. I think that for Figma, putting it on the web just really reduced that barrier to entry and made it available to more designers. And I think when something has that low barrier to entry, it's easy to use and you can very easily bring people in. I think that it can just kind of spread pretty fast and can be adopted much more quickly. So I think that ease of use and, and ease of entry design is a collaborative space. So you need to be able to bring in the people that you're working with. And so if it can be as easy as dropping someone a link to be able to share with them or to be able to bring them into your file, I think just that can really give you a competitive edge. When I look at Figma's website and what it's saying about itself, 
It's very product-centric language. We have this feature and we do this and the other thing. How has Figma's messaging evolved over the years and how do you think it will go from here? Yeah, I've been there for five months, so relatively new on knowing the full history of it. But I think the team is evolving into being more and more story-based. And I think that that just happens the closer that product marketing and product get in and kind of being a little more proactive around how we talk about our features. And so I think it just goes from sometimes in a space where you're releasing incrementally and you're always releasing new features, I think you can have a tendency to become reactive rather than proactive. And so I think sometimes it's just about kind of taking a step back. I think all organizations have to evolve through time to different points to where you're kind of looking and saying, okay, how can we start to think about the story earlier instead of after we've built it and we're ready to ship it? How do we start the same way I talked about people getting involved in design early? It's like, how do we start to think about that story earlier? And sort of what's the bigger story as opposed to that tiny feature story? I think it's about thinking about that bigger story and scaling it down and getting more specific from there. Because ultimately, a product has its greater product narrative and you build features to further amplify that narrative. Is there, in your opinion like the right time to use feature-based language for the most part? And then when do you like reach, is there like a magical point where it makes sense to evolve into more story-based? What's your point of view on this? Yeah, I think it depends. You have to balance both. And I think it's very audience-centric. So when I think about messaging, I think about that particular audience. If I'm talking to a set of power users, those power users may care less about my narrative and more about what this new specific thing does for them, right? They're very ingrained in the product. They know the ins and outs of it. So for them, less of the story might be fine. They might need more of just like that direct feature-based language. Whereas if I'm talking to someone who's in a leadership position that may not be in the product every day and is not familiar with the nuts and bolts, but is really thinking about the product in a more holistic way and how it impacts their team, well, then the story matters a little bit more, right? Then it's about the story and sort of where this product is going to take us down the road and being able to see that journey. So I tend to think about it from an audience perspective and who we're speaking to when it comes to how granular and feature-based we need to be versus how high level we need to go with the story. Where all does Figma tell its story that it's making design accessible for all and all these other things that you guys are sending out to the universe? How does one get acquainted with you? What channels are you using? Sure. So thankfully, the product has been very well adopted. So there's a lot of good word of mouth, I would say, most definitely, which is the best channel. I think it's the most authentic. But then we have, there's a very strong design community on Twitter that's very vocal that we engage with often there. And we get really strong engagement from them. We have friends of Figma meetups and groups to bring the community together. And then we also host a conference, our annual conference, Config, each year. And that is a great great place for the design community to come together and just hear from different folks from around the world to attend different workshops. And so I think we try to really meet our audience where they are. I think that the design community is very smart. They're very community oriented and they're very authentic. And so we make a point to go where they are and to try to meet them where they are as much as possible. So you have different teams there, your social team and your content team, and then you guys are also doing a bunch of PR. 
How do you make sure that everybody's on the same page? How is it organized internally? Sure. So our product marketing team does a lot of that work. I say when we put together our go-to-market plans, they're very comprehensive. And so we bring in all of the necessary parties, everyone that we need to collaborate with, like you said, everyone from sales, product, PR, customer success, from the mar- all different parts of the marketing team. So we make sure when we go to market, it's a well-coordinated effort. We continue to refine our documentation so that we really enable teams internally to be able to help and go execute and be very aligned on our story, on our messaging, and how we want to, to talk about different things. So I'd say that our product marketing team, I think coming into Figma and really getting ingrained in that team, I think they're a very central piece to that go-to-market plan. And I think the connectors that you think about when you think of product marketing and being that center point. And where does it live? Your go-to-market strategy, when new people join Figma, how will they know about it? And when like social team is doing community outreach, they're posting stuff on Twitter. How are you guys pushing the narrative on the inside? Is it like every week it's mentioned somewhere? Like what's going on? Yeah, so we do our best to centralize documentation and also host, like for example, we'll host go-to-market kickoffs so that everyone who's an involved party is aware of what we're doing, walking through the messaging, and then also making sure, like I said, that that documentation is centralized. I think that there are ways like we have product review channels that are go-to-market reviews within Slack. So the team does quite a bit to just make sure that these things are top of mind or where to find that documentation is top of mind to just make sure we're enabling everyone internally. And is there a, like internal push to get people to go there proactively? What is the process? So if I'm posting something on social, any guardrails in place that you can't post until you cross-reference this document? That's a great question. So the way that we've done it are reviews. So if someone wants to share something and they have a concern maybe about timing or the way that they're talking about it, they may just ask, like I said, in one of those product review channels. That's normally the best way to do it. We've created channels for that. But generally, what we've really seen start to work are our messaging docs that really kind of give people the language to use within them. So it makes it much easier for them to create copy that's on message. And we've seen that work really successfully just by sort of having very strong documentation that's even sort of prescriptive in that like, here's how you could tell the story from a PR perspective or long form content to here's how you can tell the story in a tagline or short snippets and things that they can actually, they could copy and paste and tweak a little bit for social or wherever they want to use it. Your two biggest competitors that you mentioned, how do you think you guys are out-competing them? Is it product differentiation is one thing, you mentioned web pace and all that stuff. Is there anything also messaging-wise that you are saying certain things that others are not? Tell me about your differentiation. As far as messaging, I'd say from a messaging standpoint, I think that our differentiation there is that I think our product and brand are just very closely tied. I think that from a messaging standpoint, we have this idea of design being accessible for all and really bringing all of those pieces of design together 
to work together to ship better products. And I think that sometimes in a company you can have where you have this brand promise and the product doesn't quite deliver on it, right? And those two things aren't aligned. But I think the alignment between our brand promise and our product living up to that is really a differentiator and that like the expectations are met and they work well together. So you're not hearing a message that isn't represented in the product. And so I think those two things are very delightful when they work together. It's just, it's a good experience for the user. Typically in SaaS, what happens is that over time, all competitors become more similar. What was once an innovative feature becomes table stake. So there's like commoditization of features over time. And this has happened in more mature software categories and marketing automation and so on. So in the end, all competitors will become basically identical or near identical in terms of features. And so hence competing on brand becomes more and more important over time. How are you guys thinking about that at Figma? Yeah, I think for us, we really look to community. And I think part of the strength of our brand is actually in the strength of our community. And I think that that has been delivering on expectation from a product standpoint. And I also think it's from a point of authenticity and really thinking about who our core users are first and everything that we do. And so I think I totally agree with you. Companies, they do become essentially very, very similar. And there are slight new nuances to what makes them different. And so I think down the line, having that really strong relationship with a strong community becomes really a core piece of differentiation because your community is a reflection of who you are as a brand and your ability to build that community. And so for us, I actually think more than just our brand and our messaging, I think that that community piece is really a strength there for us because I think our community is heavily representative of our brand because that design being accessible for that all is the community. And so when I think about differentiation down the line, I think about being able to tell that story of design community and of bringing people together. Because when you're able to bring people together, you're able to bring all of these great minds together, right? And that's when innovation happens for a company using your product. It's when you can bring multiple people in the room with multiple perspectives. And then you kind of come up with something magical. And so with us being able to be a place for that, for these design teams to be able to come together, put their heads together and take one simple idea and turn it into something amazing, I think is very core to our differentiation. But I think that starts with that community piece and people feeling like this is a place for everyone. Well, can you tell me a little bit more about what are the specific actions you are taking on a week-by-week basis to further cultivate that and expand that community? Yeah, that's actually a fantastic question. When I think about on a very practical basis, what we're doing, I think whenever we start a project, whether we're working on a new homepage or we're working on feature pages or a new brand campaign, I think what we start off with is who it's for. And so I think from a very practical standpoint, it's always sort of that first principle, right? Those first principles of before you start a project and that principle of who is this for? And when we think about who it's for and always putting that first, I think for us is probably the most practical way that we do everything. 
is really starting from that place of who is this for? And let's look at this project through that lens of putting this group of people first. And so when you put it through that lens, then it allows you to kind of go back and as you set goals or make decisions, or it's tough to make a decision, you go back and you say, okay, how does this affect, right, this core audience that we care about and who this is actually for? And I think when you do that, when you put those users first, those users that are your community, then you're able to to continue building because you're focusing on these people first. They're just always at the core of what you do. They're they're the first thought. They're the lens through which you see different things that you're doing at the company. And so for me, I think that things like that start early from a practical standpoint when you want to focus on building out a community or even your brand. It's the audience first and foremost and sort of setting those core first principles through which you see what you're doing. So your target customers, are you internally using the language of personas or are you, is it like jobs, jobs to be done? So how are you structuring the different audiences you're selling to? And so again, where does it live? How is it documented? Yeah, so we do use personas and we think a lot about use cases. So I would say jobs to be done, but maybe sometimes we get even a little more specific to exactly not just the job to be done, but when do they need to do this job? Because it could be someone who's a certain persona at a certain point in the design process. The use case may be different than if it's earlier in the design process for them. Or like I said, someone who's power user versus like a leader who comes into the software to work with someone. So we work from personas and use cases quite a bit when it comes to looking at our audience. But I also think one of the things that we try to do a lot of is listen to the customer. I know for me, it's really important not to just sort of come up with a set persona and work from that, but to really go back and listen to those sales calls, look at the feedback that you're getting and be able to use the language of your customers to be able to sort of listen to them enough to where you can start to speak their language to others internally. And those personas, are they sitting in some like Google Docs type of file or where do they live and how does everybody have access to them? Yeah. So we usually, one of the things we do when we go to market for some of our features is we'll build out a deck for the sales team. And that's a deck that we'll review with them. And usually included in that deck is a set of personas. And so those are sort of organized and saved within a sales enablement area. So we do our best to make those accessible. So if that particular feature comes up or if they want to be able to speak to it because it's something that they can add to sort of that, I'd say that foundational sales deck, if it's a feature that is important, they can sort of take those slides, add them to their deck and then talk through it. But we do our best to centralize that information, make it really accessible. And then of course, from that, I said, that centralized documentation of messaging and audience overview, that sort of go-to-market planning doc will link to those documents within there as well. So there's a nice set of cross-posting. What's the hardest part of product marketing at Figma and how are you guys tackling that? I think that like any organization, when you're growing, you're evolving. So I think as you grow and scale, it's about evolving your processes and your systems. And like you asked, where do these things live? I feel like that's always a question of like, where does this live? Where should it live? Where's the best place for it to live? And making sure that everyone knows that it's there and actually uses it. So I think that that's probably the biggest challenge of product marketing is making sure that those enablement materials 
materials are not just accessible, but also easy to digest. And that is when someone goes to a messaging doc, it's not just a table of pillars, right? It's a doc that actually, when they read through that story and they read through that messaging, they get it. And so I think really for product marketing, it's about constantly evolving your documentation, constantly kind of thinking through your processes to better refine those for better internal enablement. So I think that that's probably the biggest challenge and seems to be a continuous challenge of getting there. I don't know that it's ever perfect or I've ever worked somewhere where that works perfectly. So I think you're constantly trying to figure that out and figure out better ways. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me.